blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm totally leaving that in. You should. <laughs> okay, here we go. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode three of the Beers and Bible podcast. Uh, I am Patrick. And I am your host, Rick, and we are happy to be with you today. We are so ecstatic to be with you today. We are going to continue our discussion in uh, Concise Theology. Um, and we're next... also going to talk about what? Um, beer. Beer. Yeah, absolutely, because that's what we do here. Because we are the Bible podcast. Bible podcast. <laughs> we don't mix words here. We uh, mean what we say and we say what we mean. Yeah. And we enjoy these two things, and you've probably figured that out by now. So, yeah, if you've made it to episode three, thank you for staying with us. We as are we s- figure out what it is we are doing, and here. Let, let's be clear that we are still not sponsored. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yes, yeah, we're sponsored by nobody at the moment, at the time of this taping. I'm looking at you, recording Lazy Magnolia, or whoever else we or may be Holland. drinking from today. Or today's beer on tap, not on tap because we don't have taps in our yeah, we're not place. fancy. We're yeah, not high fl- What's it? Highfalutin. So again, our our systematic method of picking, which involves walking up to a massive amount of coolers and looking until we go that one. Um, it's basically whatever aesthetically pleases us. So if it's a pretty day. can or bottle. Just, We're in just that day. Yeah, it's like it, there's there's literally no. It's kind of like election. It's unconditional. We don't really have any conditions. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> wow. He went there. He went there. So today we we ran across. Which one do we run across here? This one is uh, from Dogfish Head. It's a it's a flesh and blood IPA. And if you do not know what that means, that is an India Pale Ale. So. Um, Amongst beer circles, as we crack these open, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story. Here we go. I'm gonna wait nice. so my fizz doesn't doesn't go away. That was nice because we got other things to discuss. Oh no, no! You got to pour it out. You got to give it time to breathe a little bit. So okay, IPAs IPAs are either almost universally hated or universally loved. I have seen people take an IPA and pour it down the toilet. And then I've seen people take an IPA and pour it down their throat, which is kind of weird. But um, Listen to that, though. That's amazing. It is. So we are, uh, again, because we're not connoisseurs, I'll be honest and say this. I think this might be the first IPA that I've ever had. I've probably had one, but I, d- I didn't know it when I had it. Um, I'm a little new to the IPA game. I can count on one hand the number I've had. 
Yeah. Um, Including in, in after we drink this one today, I will still be able to count on one hand <laughs> the number of IPAs I've had. <laughs> so that's less than five for you math majors out there. Less than five. So let's talk a little bit about this one before we dive into it while we okay, let it sure. breathe in the cup here. So this is the flesh and blood from Dogfish Head. Give us a little bit about it here, yeah. Patrick. So, uh, so, so just some specs we've got here. This is all from the Dogfish Head website, dogfish.com. Um, so it's a, their ABV that's alcohol by volume is 7.5. Um, this per- seven and a half percent. Yeah. Seven and a half percent. If you're talking proof, that's 15 proof. Okay, cool. Do you see how quick I did the math? Yeah. You just doubled it. I'm like Shaq. I don't understand the reference. Okay. Cool. Man, Me. man's not hot. Somebody will get that. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, uh, 15 percent proof, 15 proof, seven and a half percent. I'll get it right eventually. eventually. I promise. <laughs> um, this Beer is uh, available year-round, originally released in 2016. Um, it is an IPA. Um, they claim that the color is a deep reddish orange, and I, Which can, uh, I can confirm that. Yeah, we poured it out. The The uh, can is like a pinkish, yeah. kind, of, kind of a pink. In, in I, would, the, in the... I would put its color, if I had to give it a popular beer color, I would call it yingling. It's about the same color yeah. as, a, as a good amber. Yeah, it's but looking good. It's an um, IPA, so. So it says the aroma has intense notes of citrus. We'll see what this. Oh yeah, that's sure enough, some, that's some citrusy right sure there. Sure enough. And uh, the flavor and mouthfeel we'll uh, talk about here in a second. Um, why don't you tell us what uh, Dogfish says that this will pair well with? So they're gonna say this is gonna go well with like a Jamaican jerk chicken or something pineapple, something fruity. So if you're eating a fruity dinner then I'm going to say it. You might as well drink a fruity beer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, this one might be a little fruity. It is definitely going to be more fruity than the uh, one we had last time. Which was amazing. It was it was so good. The name is... Dragon's Milk, bro. Dragon's Milk, yes. Dragon's Milk from Holland. Yeah, it was... They did, uh, they was, did good. That was a good one. So uh, let's, uh, let's have a taste here and uh, see how close their... Um, Assessment. Assessment of their own beer is. See if That's what got... they're telling us it's supposed to be like. So here's to uh, Dogfish Head Flesh and Blood. That's not bad. Mm-mm. That's not bad. I can... I'm, I'm not a typical fruit in my beer kind of guy. Um, outside of like a... Oh, what's the one? I can't even think of it now. You put the orange slice in it. Corona? No, not that's you put a line blue in moon. that. Blue moon, yeah. Blue moon. Yeah. So like I'll do the blue moon and I and I know it can kinda of taste like orange. This is similar to a blue moon. I would I would say it's kind you know, of I'm, ish. I'm not crazy about blue moon. And it's nothing personal against it. I just you know No, it's just not my cup of tea. It's just not my it's not my glass <clears throat> of beer. Ha. Ha jokes. Okay, so um initial initial thoughts here. All right, Rick, so I'm gonna, what, how many Luthers you I'm going to go initial thoughts. So I'm going to they're saying that this is going to pair well with like some Jamaican jerk chicken or something that is related to uh fruit it's in a very your, islandy kind of an island in yes. feel. And I would actually say if I were on an island, I would probably order this beer. So Yeah, I probably would too. If I'm drinking it on a normal everyday, I'm probably not. I'm not going to drink this with a hamburger. Because it's going to make my hamburger taste like fruit, and I don't want to do that. Because I'm a carnivore, and carnivores don't like fruit with their meat. Unless you put, like, grilled pineapple on your hamburger. You ever done that? 
Only Satanists do that. Okay, well, <laughs> that's the like, truth is out now. So. That's like putting pineapple on your pizza. I went there. Okay, I'm not going to discuss that any further. <laughs> Patrick apparently puts pineapple. We on have. His... To, we, I literally had uh, pineapple on my pizza last night. So there you go. There you go. Well, I'm sorry that so, you uh, are a sinner. So let's come back. Uh, how many? Let's Lu- talk how about many, how you need Jesus. How many Luthers <laughs> are you going to give? Uh, All right. So. Flesh and blood here. Flesh and blood. Here we go. Flesh and blood. I like it. It's got a good taste. Um, I could sit down and drink one or two of these. Again, I would probably have to be on vacation if I were, but I'm going to give them... It's not quite up to Southern Pecan in my book, so I'm going to have to give it three and a half Luthers. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, I think because it is so um, specific to... It would specifically pair well with... Um, a grilled chicken with yep. a Caribbean kind of thing on it or a fruit, uh, you know, a fruit sauce or something like that. Yeah. Um, I was also hovering at the three and a half Luther's range. Um, I, like you said, I wouldn't necessarily choose to drink this one all the time. Nope. Um, I could see, you know, last week with dragon's milk, we had, you know, a sipper. This yeah. one, this one is not quite a chugger. I still wouldn't chug this one. It It, it is like a, Sit down at dinner, but we're like three sips of. in, and and a quarter of our classes glasses is already gone. So. True. <laughs> Dra- with dragon's milk, it was like three sips in, you still had the glass was full, and you're yeah. like, wow. dragon's milk. I didn't finish until we were done recording, like after we stopped recording. That's yeah. how long it took me to drink mine. Yep. And but for I'm, the record, we we only drink one beer during the recording of these. Yes. So we're we're abiding by our own from episode one. We're not overindulging. We're just having one. Um, but, but this would, this would be one I would probably over a course of a couple of hours, I would probably drink two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the dragon's milk is definitely like one and yeah, the, I'm the dragon's milk is one that you drink one and done maybe an hour <laughs> and then you go to bed. Yeah. Cause that's pretty much what I felt like after we finished. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's bedtime. No, it's never mind. No. So yeah. Uh, but the flesh and blood, I, th- I do think it would, it pair, you know, their website says it would pair well with like a jerk chicken. Yep, pineapple upside down cake. I can see that? Um, I, I would, I would, I would agree with that. You know, I wouldn't have it with steak necessarily. I would no. go back to either southern pecan or one you, of my go tos. You like know what it would be good with? And this is going to be so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reveal a little about. I used to live near a beach for for a while, and one of the things that's popular down on the beach is to have like a fish with a with a pineapple salsa type thing on it or Ooh, even like that is good even like a pork chop with a pineapple salsa yeah. on top of it i would actually really like this with a pork chop and a pineapple salsa and a big huge plate of macaroni and cheese that sounds like that sounds like it would be really good that may be what we're having for dinner tonight i don't know we'll see but uh dogfish head ipa the flesh and blood ipa we give you three and a half luthers well job well done job well done um it's because it's it's so specific we have to kind of we have to downgrade a little bit but uh overall it's got a great smell it's got a great taste you can drink it pretty easily um and and well done to the beer of to the brewer of dogfish head yeah they did good do we tell them where uh, dogfish head is at uh you tell them the website dogfish.com yeah, if you go to dogfish.com you can find out where where do them. they brew at um that's what I'm we're trying, trying to, to look uh, we don't know where they brew at let's see um, we're gonna insert some music here. Just like that. Where? 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 
I feel like I guess I could look on the can. Brewed in Milton, Delaware. Oh wow! So they're from the north. So see, that's going to be seafood, man. Yeah, that's that's why it's going to go good with seafood. Brewed and canned by Dogfish Head Craft Brewery in Milton, Delaware. There you go. And it says you're supposed to drink it in an IPA glass. We're not that fancy, so we just got regular glasses. But it tastes just as good to me. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I might bump it up to a four. Now I'm stuck in. I'm sticking at three and a half. You know what? I'm going to stay at three and a half too because, it, like you said, it is a very specific. Yep. Um, and a very specific application. Yep. And Southern Pecan was a little bit more broad. Right. And I gave it four, so I'm trying to be consistent here, and say because this is so specific, and it'll only fit with a certain thing, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go three and a half. Yeah, that's fair. But. That's the only thing that's bringing it down. So it is really good. We're not saying that it's not. We're just saying that, it, and it would pair very specifically with something. This else. is this is officially the very first Dogfish Head uh, beer that I have ever had. So same. Um, so never, there I've may never, be another Dogfish Head uh, brew that I like even better with something else. And so you know, be sure to go check out Dogfish Head, and we're going to yeah. put links to all their social media accounts and websites and all that yeah. in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is uh, Dogfish Head blood, Flesh and Blood IPA. You earned three and a half Luthers. Congratulations. And now we're going to dive into our topic of the week or area of focus uh, in J.I. Packer's Concise Theology. So here we go. Here we are. We're back and we're diving into our... Um, Bible discussion for the week. We're continuing in the book of uh, Concise Theology by J.I. Packer, and we are going to hit on a few more topics for the next, uh, we're going to take the next three. Tell us what those next three topics that we're going to hit are. All right, so in this episode of the Beers and Bible podcast, we are going to dive into what um, J.I. Packer um, discusses regarding inward witness, authority, and knowledge. Authorite. Authorita. Authorita. Respect my authorita. I only know that reference based on <laughs> other cultural references. I have. N- it's I've from maybe, South Park. I've maybe watched like four episodes of Isn't South Park. Isn't that from Park. South Park? Yeah. Yeah, only only watched a Scientology episode of South Park. And it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about inward witness, authority, and knowledge and what those mean. So. So here we go. Inward witness. Let's talk about the inward witness. So uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And remember, last week we talked about general revelation, special revelation, um, and how that uh, led to our guilt. And when we talk about, so we're we're talking about this idea of God as creator. The the first part of, of Packer's book is the knowledge of God as a creator. And we get to the inward witness. So the inward witness is what scripture or how scripture is authenticated by the Holy Spirit. And so that's how we know that Scripture is true. That's how we believe that Scripture is true. First um, John two twenty says that, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. So John is writing to his his epistle letter here, and he's writing them saying, "You have this knowledge, and this is where the knowledge comes from is from Scripture." So so. You have that that knowledge that comes through Scripture, and that is the inward testimony. That is our inward witness to how we can learn about God. Right. That that yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. 
That sounds, that sounds um, right. So, so, so how do we, you know, the question gets posed, how can we know that the Bible is the word of God? Because it says so. Okay. Yes. But, <laughs> but how can we know for sure? Yes, I know because it said so. Um, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said it is for sure. True. Um, you know, God himself has confirmed that the Bible is the word of mm-hmm. God. Um, and that is where what we get this, what's called the inward witness of the Holy Spirit comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily a matter of imparting new information. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is this process of enlightening previously darkened minds to um, discern divinity through sensing its unique impact. That's really deep, man. Did you read that straight from Packer? Maybe. <laughs> no, he's, it's, it's exactly right. Um, and what we're talking about here really is is the difference between um, what, what we call revelation and illumination. And um, in some circles of Christianity, they throw around, a th- wow, that was bad. They throw around the word revelation like it's, um, you know, a quarter to be tossed about and, and they don't actually think about the word and what it means, you know, right. word, words mean things. Mm-hmm. And so we have to think about revelation. Well, revelation is the revealing of something new. So if you say I have a revelation from God, that means you have something new about God that nobody in space, time or history has ever known, which is not biblical which is not biblical <laughs> right there's it is. there's nothing af- after the coming of christ after his death burial resurrection after his ascension um there's no new well after no. i guess after the completion of the bible well no i would even say after christ has uh risen risen from the grave and ascended into heaven because even after that all of the new testament is writing about that it's writing oh, yeah, to yeah, prove yeah. that yeah, and so you. So there's you have nothing this, new after the ascension of Christ. There's no such thing as a new, as a quote, new revelation new, exactly, from God. Exactly. So when somebody comes up and says, "I have a revelation from God," the first question that I always ask them is, "What Bible verse did you read?" Because mm-hmm. because you know uh, it, it shouldn't be something that's not coming based out of Scripture, and that's what the inward witness tells us is everything that we learn about God is found in Scripture. And so that's how we know, and that's that's where I would say the word, the better word to use is illumination. So right. uh, I guess the the analogy that the to throw out there would be uh, when you go through school. Okay, you learn every year, you learn progressively more stuff, but you're learning stuff that other people have already learned. So you're not learning new stuff. Okay, you're learning stuff that other people have already learned. So your mind is being illumined to the knowledge that other people have already learned. Right. There's you're not going through school being the very first person to learn pre-calculus. Exactly. Because if you were, you would be a genius. Yeah, and you also probably wouldn't need to be in high school. That's probably or true school as well. or whatever they teach pre-calculus now. Yeah, I don't know. Probably like third grade or something. I didn't take it. So, anyway, <laughs> um so but, yeah, it, it's that whole idea that um we're learning something that's new to us, mm-hmm. but not necessarily new, period. Exactly, exactly. Our mind is being illuminated to knowledge that is already there. Um, and so it, it, there is there is a group of folks uh, way back in the day called the Gnostics that taught a thing called Gnosticism, which really relied on, on special knowledge. And 
Um, and, and so even in Gnosticism, they said you had to have this like special knowledge that was outside of scripture. You had to have this other thing and God had to give you this other thing. And, and it's just, it's, it's not taught in scripture because scripture specifically deals with itself and itself. The Holy spirit is the witness to scripture and scripture is a witness to itself. And so, yeah, there's, there's your, there's, there's how I feel about the inward witness of scripture. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's all a good word, dude. And, and yeah. And so, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I don't know. That's, that's about how Piker, Piker, <laughs> that's about how Packer sum, sums it up there. Yeah. Um, um, I just want to touch on real quick, um, this whole idea that, uh, so scripture reveals the divinity of God. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but it's also how we can know God. Scripture is how we can know God for real, not like just mm-hmm. like know about God. Because we talked about um, last week how Scripture is how we can know that there is a God, that we that there mm-hmm. is a Creator. Um, well, no, creation says that. Creation, creation tells says us that. that there is a God. So that's general revelation. Yeah. yeah, and then Scripture says that God is Jesus. Yeah. and the Father. And this is how you can know Him, and this is how you can know Him exactly. Right, special revelation. Right. We're trying. We're going to try to tie everything together. We're probably not going to do a great job, but we're not because we're gonna, well, Packer we're does, try to. Packer does a really good job. So again, go out and pick you up a copy of J.I. Packer's uh, Concise Theology and read through it. It's it's a bunch of short little summaries of doctrine, and and he really does a good job of of building his case consistently through through the whole thing, which is how uh, most. Uh, what we would term systematic theology. So systematic theology is just you break it down into a system and you go through it, you work through it kind of in a methodical fashion to try to cover as much as you possibly can. Yeah, and there's no fluff. These Each of these like sections is only a couple of pages long at yeah. most. Yeah. Um, he gets right to the point. He dives right in. He doesn't have this long um, uh, story about he was in church one day and realized that inordinate witness is like when I go to the communion table because, you know, I don't know how that would even be related, <laughs> but I'm just saying. It's, know, it's basically it, just reporting the facts. He gets he gets right to It's like a news report yeah. at night. There's yeah. not much set up and there's not much there's follow-up. Not, and so it just gives you the the super basic, like, general thought behind each one, and, and it allows you some some process to go through it and dive into it and study it a little bit more. He's... He's kind of like he's wetting your appetite, and we're hoping that's what we're going to do here um, with with discussion of this. So we move from um, from inward witness, and then we move up to the authority. So the authority of Scripture or the way that God governs his people. Take us through that one. Yeah, so in the authority, um, God governs his people through Scripture. Um, that means that Scripture is our guideline. Scripture is our... Um, our roadmap, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, Second Timothy three sixteen. It's a verse that we. It's you know it's the other three sixteen in the Bible. You know, Every, John everybody knows it, <laughs> but you know most people will be able to at least have at least heard this one. Um, it says that uh, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Eh, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. And then verse seventeen says, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Boom. Um, and I think, you know, so often we just, you know, a lot of people pick and choose from Scripture. We talked about that in week one. You know, the legalists will pick and choose what they want to apply to apply to mm-hmm. their lives and the lives of other people to say you're living 
in sin or you're, or you're not living in sin. Um, but all scripture from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation is inspired by God. And that means that every single word in your Bible is inspired, is inspired by God, that God, in, God told through his spirit verbally in the, in the hearts of, of the people who wrote it, however he, however he did it, he told all of those people to pin the words that they pinned. And those are the words that made it into the mm-hmm. 66 books that make up our Holy Scripture. The Scripture that we have, the canon that we have today. Yes. Um, yeah, and and that's where, so um, one of the, when you talk about the authority of Scripture, um, we're really talking about the, the way that Scripture should be applied to our life. Uh, so the rally, one of the calls are what we call the five solas of the Reformation. One of them was sola scriptura. Uh, or by scripture alone. Now, that doesn't mean um, that you only read your Bible and you only focus on on your Bible and you only do this, and scripture is the only book that you read for your Christian life. Because if that were the case, then all of the books that Martin Luther wrote, all of the books that John Calvin wrote, all of the books that the Puritans wrote, all of those are in vain if that's what sola scriptura means. But sola scriptura means that scripture alone is the authority for the Christian life. Right. And so, remember in week one, we talked about that, how we are going to try to use, we're using the scriptures as our authority exactly. to, you know, to explain why we have the freedom in Christ to consume alcohol or get tattoos or whatever it is that yes. we're, that we're saying that we, that Jesus um, made a way for us to be able to do. Exactly. So you, you tie this to something like um, the Roman Catholic Church who believes that that you have scripture as interpreted by the Roman Catholic Church. So they kind of add this like secondary thing in there. And that's what that's what guys like Martin Luther were even talking about is is this this idea of the 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 three views or or whatever of of the Roman Catholic Church. Tell tell me tell me the do you know the three views of the Roman Catholic Church? Not off the top of my head. No. Didn't Packer talk about them? He talked about three views about where we can get God's authoritative truth, and one of them deals with the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, so let's set up the Are Roman you Catholic Church. Your notes? No, no, I'm not. I'm glancing. I'm glancing That's at the fine. notes. That's <laughs> we're, fine. We're trying to do have some type of notes so that we don't ramble, um, because we are we're both ramblers, mm-hmm. but we also don't want it to be like us reading right constantly. So anyway, so um, where can where can we find God's authoritative truth? today um packer says that there are uh, basically three views um that are found in most of the world um he talked the first view he talks about how the roman catholic church and orthodox churches find god's truth um as they believe it to be in the interpretations of scripture um that come from their own tradition so that's basically like um confess to the priest you know you you not just any person can communicate with god yeah, it would be my understanding of that. Um, you can't read your Bible if you're not a certain level of. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know how the Catholic Church works. Yeah. So if you know, correct you know whatever. But you know, so, I understand that if you're not a in a certain level of leadership or a certain <clears throat> position in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. you are not allowed to read your Bible freely yes. and interpret it the way you need you interpret it and apply it the way that you feel you need to yeah. interpret it and apply it to. So the Catholic Church has what they call the three legs 
of of uh, and the, and the, and a lot of people do it as a stool. So you have the stool is where you sit, and then the stool has three legs coming off of it. Okay. All right. The one of the stool or one of the legs is scripture. Okay. Okay. The other leg is the magisterium. So that's like the priest, the actual hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church, and then the third leg is tradition. Okay. So all three of those in the Roman Catholic tradition, in the Roman Catholic belief, all three of those are on equal authority. And so they say it takes all okay. three of them to hold you up okay. is what it takes. So, so they're so, saying that because we this is the way we've done things for 500 years, in addition to scripture, in addition to, what was the other one? Uh, the magisterium. So Or the, or the, the clergy. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So in addition to those other things, it's scripture plus tradition plus, plus priest. Exactly. And so that's where you end up with, uh, that's why you, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, you end up with a doctrine of salvation by faith plus works. Because right. you're having to do all these things, you know, the magisterium says you have to say your Hail Mary. So if you don't say your Hail Mary, you're going to hell. Uh, quick it's, question. it's not quite that simple. But. Quick question, where is that in the Bible? It's not. Okay, cool. Just wanted to be clear <laughs> on that not. one. Paul was pretty clear in Romans when he said, you're justified by faith apart from your works. And... Yeah, that's it. And they and they point to James and they and they say James says, you know, you're justified by your faith. Show me your faith and and you know, yeah, I say you don't have any faith unless you have works. And there is an aspect of of our justification that is works, but it's not our works, it's Christ's work. Right. That was done and then because of our faith, we are doing good works. Right. So we're that's not, the, we're not doing works in order to receive salvation. We've already received it. We're doing works because of our thankfulness for ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. It'd be like if somebody gave you a new car, you wouldn't let it sit in your driveway. You would drive it around. Right. You would show people and you would tell people about the car that somebody gave you. And, and it was nothing that you did to get that car. That's, that's probably the best analogy that I can come up with off the top of my head. That's a good one. But, uh, but yeah, so that's how, that's how justification plays itself out right there. And that's where the difference between the Protestant view, which says it's by faith, faith in scripture alone mm-hmm. that we are saved. And then the Catholic view that says, no, it's faith plus works. It's scripture plus the magisterium plus the tradition. All of those have to work together okay. authoritatively uh, and, and specifically in authority. That's where those, those views come from. And then uh, the second thing that Packer talks about um, is, is individuals um who would be who would be labeled as as radical or modernist or subjectivist? Um, they find truth in thoughts or impressions or judgments or theories or speculations. And this is really um, this this type of stuff is where the Gnostics really came in. Um, this this type of individualistic. You have to have this individual knowledge. You have to have this special knowledge that either they would give you or God would have to give you. And it would be something that is outside of the bounds of scripture. And so it goes past that, that second Timothy three sixteen verse um, that says that, you know, that all of scripture is, is right for teaching and, and, and correcting and rebuking and training the man in righteousness. And that's what scripture is for. The Gnostics would say, no, you have to have all of that and you have to have, this special. And so they're, they're bringing this, Hmm. they're bringing a secondary authority. And, and and the majority of times, even when you deal with cults in general, you're talking about somebody who takes a scripture and then brings something else into it. Right. You know, and that's, that's what you, that's a lot of times what leads to heresy or leads to this cultic type of activity um, is you, 
you end up with with something other than scripture alone being your authority and and that's where the historic version of protestantism really stood out that's where martin luther you know unless you can convince me by scripture that i'm wrong and and using scripture reasonably you mm-hmm. know he said scripture and sound reason he doesn't mean reason is on the same level as scripture he means reasonably using scripture you know not not misrepresenting what scripture actually says mm-hmm. and and that is where uh you find the 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 authority of scripture is when you use scripture by itself and you say no this is what scripture teaches this is the end of it scripture alone is what our authority is found in um and so we end up saying because of that because scripture being uh kind of by itself we talk about um what we would call the inerrancy of scripture now um inerrancy does not mean that there are zero mistakes grammatically in scripture that's not what inerrancy means inerrancy means that in everything that the bible speaks about the bible speaks number one authoritatively and the bible speaks authoritatively true about those things does it also speak that or also say that uh, the bible speaks um consistently consistent yep consistently from beginning to end so it doesn't contradict himself it doesn't contradict itself because that's where you get back to um the the divinity or you talk about the divinity of scripture it's it's not that scripture is on the same level as god but scripture is what god has given us so therefore we we treat it with the same authority that we treat god the father jesus the son and the holy spirit right it, al- uh, it also says that um scripture is sufficient in and of itself if um if all other books cease to exist yeah. Tomorrow the yeah. Bible would still be sufficient. If we yeah, if we didn't have Martin Luther's did, writings. Yeah. You know, if if we have the sixty six books, then we have all we need. That's again, that's not to say that there's not um good to be found in other sources. Right. And not saying that they give the Bible authority, but also that um the Bible in and of itself is sufficient for what we need um spiritually, what we need when we're in times of need. Um, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, so if, if scripture is sufficient and, and scripture is clear, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the per perspicuity. Some people say perspicuity. Some people pay, say perspicuity. I don't, I've seen it both ways from, from knowledgeable people. So I'm just going to say perspicuity because that's a scholar here. So I have no idea, (laughs) nor do I really want that's easier for me to say. So, but when we talk about the perspicuity of scripture, what we're talking about is the clarity of scripture. Um, scripture does not, uh, end up with people. Well, I'm, uh, uh, scripture alone does not end up with people fighting over it. Now, when you bring in the man card or when you, when you say that man interpreting scripture, that mm-hmm. brings a lot of division because we're fallible, we're sinful, we're broken, and our interpretations are not always what Scripture is supposed to be. So we have to be gracious with with one another when we have disagreements. Right. We have to be um, willing to discuss with, with one another what these differences are and say, no, I believe Scripture is teaching this. And there are certain things that you can... Um, that you can disfell or you can be in fellowship with and disagree on and then there's certain things you can't you know the the same reason that presbyterians and baptists are different denominations even though they're so close on a lot of their theologies they're different because they have different views of ecclesial 
order or the way that the church is the church hierarchy. The Presbyterians have a, a specific order of pastors and rectors and bishops and and the general assembly, whereas Southern Baptists or Baptists in general kind of look at, at church in an autonomous church kind of way where you have this more type of congregationalism or congregational-led, each congregation leads itself. So you have two different versions. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that one is, is better than the other. It's just two different conclusions right. that people have come to. Right about what scripture teaches. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're all covered in, in the blood of Christ. And so we keep the main things, the main things, and we let the second and third, third tier issues. I just said turd. (laughs) I'm going to cut that out. Maybe, uh, the second and third tier issues kind of fall to the wayside and not be so, uh, demanding of our, our time and energy. I, I think as long as churches are preaching, um, preaching the scripture, preaching that, um, all sinners all need a savior. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only savior. Um, you know, not teaching things like infant baptism, that kind of thing. Ooh, the Presbyterians would disagree with you there. Bring it on, <laughs> Presby's. Let's go. Um, you know, the only the only we place love you, our Presbyterian brothers. We do. We love them. We just don't love your pedo baptism. No, we don't, because the only time you see a baby near water in the Bible is Moses. Bro, don't you even read the book of Acts? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. When the 3,000 people got saved, there had to be some babies in there, right? You're assuming a lot there, bro. <laughs> anyway, so as, as long, I feel like as long as churches are preaching authority of Scripture, yes. Jesus, yes, you know. Baptism, the, baptism is a second tier issue. It is. And it should because, stay that way. Because baptism is not necessary for salvation. It's not. It is a... It's necessary for obedience, not necessary for salvation. Correct. Correct. So, uh, if we believe we're justified by faith alone. So, there we go. That's enough on on the perspicuity of Scripture, and, and we've talked about the authority of Scripture. What does the inward witness, what does the authority of Scripture bring us to? It brings us to this knowledge, and we've I, I've already like jumped ahead in the notes and, and skipped on a little bit of this. Um but but knowledge, the true knowledge that comes from God through faith, through faith specifically in Christ. And this is, um, again, we're talking about in in the Greek, we're talking about the word gnosis, which is where you get the word Gnosticism. Um, and you're saying you're saying that in this knowledge is how we have knowledge of Christ. This is how we have knowledge that we need a redeemer. This is how we have all these things. Where do we get that from? That comes from the authority of Scripture. That comes from the inward witness of Scripture. All of these things are building on one another. Um, and so even though the Gnostics taught that that you, you, you can come to Christ, but you have to have this special knowledge, you have to follow this specific road, and you have to do it the way that they say, mm-hmm. um, that's where they went wrong instead of, instead of relying solely on Scripture. You had to do Scripture plus... Their little, their little, right. you know, paths to righteousness they, or whatever it was. At, they looked at your commitment to Christ as the first step in a long journey, right, on the road of knowledge. Yes. Um, and the further you made it down the road, the more knowledge would be revealed to you, right. And I'll, that's how guys like Joseph Smith thought that he received a golden tablet and the seer stone. Oh, Joseph Smith. <laughs> Have you heard the joke about BYU? Oh no. So the, the, I, th- I want to say the Babylon Bee did it one time 
BYU, the football team. Right. They love want, you, B. Love you, Love you, B. B. You're awesome. Sponsor us. Come on, sponsor. Um, but they they said, the, the what I remember was the BYU team was using the seer stone to interpret the other team's playbook so they could know what call, what plays awesome. they were calling. <laughs> so they could Because they I won a game not, that they weren't supposed to win. I wouldn't put it past them, honestly. So anyway, back to Gnosticism <laughs> for a second. Um, so part of... Um, this knowledge that the Gnostics came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, J.I. Packer says that it is um, part of the knowledge that they offered had to do with spells, celestial passwords, right? disciplines of, of mysticism and detachment. Dude, I need a celestial password. I can't remember any of my passwords. <laughs> All my passwords are like the same four things with very little change, and I can't remember what I used for what. But anyway, so... Um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. So so what is, you know, they also denied that sin was any part of the problem. That's an issue. Yep. Um you know. So let's talk a little bit about that. So um and and when you get into Gnosticism, you talk about this idea of Jesus, you again, you're down you're always downgrading Jesus when you when you do anything other than that was talk cool. about it was <laughs> um when you downgrade Jesus, you have to, or when you elevate yourself, you necessarily have to downgrade Jesus. So right. when, when you have to do something, um, special knowledge, whatever it is, whatever you have to do, you have to downgrade Jesus to this either human or semi-divine, you know, he's like Maui on Moana where he's like, uh, uh, haven't seen it. It's good. It's a good movie. Um, he's a demigod, so he has special powers and he could do stuff, but he wasn't like, the supreme ruler of the universe. Is that the one that the Rock plays? Yeah, that the character Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Plays? So it's basically the Rock in you're welcome in, this, <laughs> in the movie. It, so it's the idea that while Jesus was a great person, right being, mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily God. Exactly is what, is what they would argue. Exactly. And John chapter one disagrees completely. Yeah, from the beginning, <laughs> in, in, the beginning in the beginning was the Word, and, and the, the Word was with God, God and the, the Word was God. was God. Not a God, he was God. And then you skip down to verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if if Jesus is God over creation, he is the creator, not the created. And so you have to have this, this idea of Jesus is the creator, therefore he is God, and you mm-hmm. can't, lower him any lower than that because you're either creator or created that's the only yeah there's no other options in that yeah according to john that's the only two categories he gives you that's the only two options and so um so yeah there there is there is jesus there and then um if you degrade jesus then you end up with with having to throw some other type of authority in there with him to try to make this knowledge that you have makes sense. Does that? Yes. Did that follow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, by doing what they did with Jesus, the Gnostics, the Gnostics, Gnostics, yes. The people who practice Gnosticism. Um, so they, you know, they basically deny that Jesus was, uh, God incarnate. Mm-hmm. They deny that his death on the cross atoned for all of our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they deny that sin was any part of the problem. Right. And they replace uh, Christ's um, call to a holy, um, his uh, call of to a life of holy love, 
with uh, either these ideas of aestheticism or they aestheticism. use it, aestheticism or they use it as a as a reason to explain why they can be um, promiscuous. Yeah. And and how many times have you had somebody be like, oh, you know, Jesus loves me even though I'm having sex with my boyfriend. Thanks, Bachelorette. Well, Jesus does love you, <laughs> but Jesus doesn't want you to continue doing those things. It reminds me of First Peter chapter 3, and I'm, that's all I was trying to get to while you were talking about that. Um, first Peter 3, 18. So, so in First Peter, we're talking about Christ and, and the sacrifice that he made and how that affects our lives and how it affects our sanctification and how it affects everything that we do. Um, and then it really centers around chapter three centers around this verse. It's first Peter three eighteen that says for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh and being made alive in the spirit. And so you have this idea of Christ dying on the cross and that being the central theme of how we are justified, how mm. we are brought back into a relationship with God. It's not by, Christ dying on the cross and us figuring out the secret road. It's not by any of these other things that are that are that are brought into the same parallel with scripture or the same teaching of scripture. And you have to have the knowledge of scripture plus this other thing or the knowledge of scripture plus one thing. Mm -hmm. Um it's just only the knowledge of scripture. Scripture alone teaches us everything that we need to know about faith and about practice. And, mm -hmm. and really I, I, it, I'm, I'm remembering it's, it's this thing called the regula fide or the rule of faith. And so the scripture is our rule of faith. And I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the word canon actually means standard or rule. Is that right? Yes. So, so when we talk about knowledge, um, when we talk about knowledge of the canon or knowledge of, of, uh, the what we would call the canonical books. Um, we're talking about the way that we are are to understand God based off of the book that He gave us to understand Him, mm -hmm. and that's that's where knowledge comes into it. That's where authority comes into it, and all of that is brought together by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Right. Thanks, Packer. You're amazing. Good job, Packer. <laughs> he recently had a birthday. Oh, that's right. I don't know how old he is, but he's recently. He's, he's got to be pretty old. So, yeah, um, just to wrap up what we were talking about with Gnosticism there, um, if you want to dive in a little bit more. Um, so in, you dive into your Bible, obviously. Um, Paul and John both address these uh, issues. Paul talks about in First Timothy 1, 4 and 6, and 2 Timothy 3, where he touched on. He talks about it in Jude 4. Second Peter two, and then John talks about it in the first in his first two uh, epistles, um, and they both explicitly oppose what eventually becomes Gnosticism. Yeah, they both spend a lot of time talking about. Well, I mean, even when even when like uh, Peter and John are writing, Gnosticism has already started at that point, right? And as far as historically, like it had it had really started to creep up by then, right? So. Yeah, they're specifically writing against it because yeah. people are like, hey, yeah, you got to have this special knowledge. And John and Peter are like, hey, no, you don't. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So, um, and then scripture also teaches us that really knowing God, really, really having that um, 
that understanding of what to know God um, means is our is our ideal. That's what we're all striving for. We may not put words to it so much. We may mm-hmm. not say like, "I want to know God," but we're all striving for something. Yeah. Um, and knowing God can uh, really knowing Him generates a relationship that brings joy and love, right, and hope, and also obedience. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, before Christ, we're we're according to Ephesians, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And so you take Ephesians and then you read uh, like Romans chapter three and you hear that no one seeks after God. Nobody's good. Nobody seeks after God. And and there Paul is quoting Psalm, I think it's Psalm 52. Um, so you, I mean, you look at scripture and how scripture interprets scripture, again, talking about the clarity and the pers- perspicuity of scripture. Um the perspiration. Of perspiration. <laughs> that's it, that's the word that comes to my mind every time. It's like I want to say perspiration, but I'm like, no, scripture doesn't sweat. Only I sweat. <laughs> um, but you talk about the clarity of scripture and and then you look at verses and how they relate to one another and you use scripture to interpret scripture, you know. There's a lot of guys who um who would say, you know, divorce is wrong under every single circumstance possibly known to man ever. Except for that time when Jesus said that it was okay in the cases of sexual immorality. Or there's that time when Paul says, well, you know, if there's an abandonment issue, you know, then we have to take that into consideration. Or, or and, and you know, the uh, they're all talking about divorce and remarriage. They're specifically looking at remarriage. But, again, you have to take the whole of Scripture. You can't just take one specific verse and say that's what all of Scripture teaches. You have to look at all of Scripture and see what all of Scripture teaches. Um, is divorce terrible and divorce wrong? Absolutely, divorce is terrible and divorce is wrong. But but it can't be that clear cut and dry. Right. If Paul gives an exception and if Jesus gives an exception, there right. has to be some type of 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 basic. You know, okay, let's sit down and talk this through, and then see how Scripture deals with this with a situation similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of the the main takeaways from all of this is that whatever you do, however you apply this to your Christian worldview, be consistent with what scripture teaches and not just your Philippians 4.13, you know, I'm going to win my football game because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Because um, the other team is claiming that same because, scripture. Exactly. So we're someone's going to lose. Yeah, we're going to use, we're gonna try to use that every time is Philippians 4.13. Do not be the morbidly obese pastor who condones drunkenness. Drinking is a sin, says morbidly obese pastor. Thanks, B. Hashtag sponsor us. At the Babylon B. <laughs> Hashtag sponsor us Babylon B. Um, but yeah, you you definitely don't want to be like those who pick and choose what parts of scripture they're going to choose to um to follow to mm-hmm. apply to their lives because from Genesis one to the end of Revelation, the scripture is the divinely inspired word of God. Exactly. And and if you and if you are picking and choosing, then that means you are choosing to not apply. Another part of scripture. another part of scripture, which means you are on purpose choosing to not apply the word of God to your life, and and in that case, you're not saying that all of scripture is God breathed. You're saying this particular part of scripture is God breathed that aligns me. with what I believe, <laughs> exactly, it, or at least I can make it align to what I believe, right? And we call that eisegesis. That's a good word, eisegesis. It's a fun word to learn, as opposed to exegesis. So exegesis is that silence on my end with my mind exploding. (laughs) Can we add that in post? Sure. Just to blow up. (laughs) 
Okay, so bring it back. So bring it back. So exegesis is the explaining of scripture, and eisegesis is isol. I always think of it as isolating scripture. Okay, you, yeah, that makes you, sense. You put it aside and make it do whatever you want it to do. Exa, explain. Isa, isolate. Exactly. That's and easy so, enough to remember. So there you go. There you go. Look at me. I'm a Bible scholar now. Basically. Yeah. I mean, only three episodes in. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't replaced me at this point. <sighs> nah. Nah, we'll, we're going to keep you around for at least for another eight or 9,000 episodes. So we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on this. How are you How are you thinking about the, the J.I. Packer stuff? You can feel free to email us at beersandbible at gmail. No, that's Beers not and right. Bible podcast at gmail.com. Beers and Bible podcast. Which, uh, who set that one up? I did. Yeah, so good job remembering the only thing you set up. <laughs> also, um, we are going to, we promise at some point, be more active on the Instagram. But do follow Probably us. by the time this drops, we will be more active on we the really Instagram. We really hope so. Um, so at the time of recording this episode, we haven't released anything yet. Yes, we're trying to get a little bit ba- ahead. Is it bad, uh, what's the word? Bad form. Bad form bad to taste. say that. Nah, maybe. We that don't might. know. We're not podcasters, so we we're, don't know what we're doing. We're, we obviously don't know what we're doing, but we like beer and we like Bible discussion. And so that's what we're here for. Yep. So find so, us on the emails. Yeah. Email beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you have a beer suggestion, a question, a theological thing you want us Quandry. to talk about or engage in a conversation with you, um, follow us on Instagram at uh, beersandbible underscore and Twitter is... Beers, Beers and Bible, Bible P1. P1. Twitter, pick that for me. Thanks, Twitter. Yeah, way to go, Twitter. Um, all this stuff will be in the intro, so this is just in case you missed it or don't want to go back or to Or you the forgot because it's beginning. been 50 minutes. Hey. <laughs> I'm surprised it was that long. Yeah. So, yeah, but there we go. We uh, we we dove into the next three things from J.I. Packer, yeah. from knowledge and authority, inward witness, what all that means. How it applies to our lives. Yeah. We reviewed Dogfish Head flesh and blood ipa we gave it three and a half not because it's not good just because it's so specific yep and that's uh i think that's going to be a wrap on episode three here yes we hope you have a great week and we hope that you in the words of martin luther don't sin and sleep long and i'm paraphrasing you skipped a very uh drink beer sleep long don't sin don't sin go to heaven drink beer drink beer thus let us drink beer Have a great week. We will see you next time on the Beers and Bible Podcast. Peace out. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 